WCW Monday Nitro live on TNT, the only live wrestling program this Monday night. And what a broadcast we have for you. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, the World Heavyweight Champion, teaming up with the Giant to take on the World Tag Team Champions, Sting and Lex Luger. Listen to this. All titles on the line. Anybody that pins the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, becomes the new World Heavyweight Champion. That means anybody. It could mean the Giant. Should the Giant and Flair defeat Sting and Luger, we have new World Tag Team Champions. And anybody that beats Luger becomes the new... Welcome to where the big boys play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro, our week-by-week breakdown of WCW's flagship show where each episode is reviewed on the 20th anniversary of its airing. I am your host, Tim Root, and with me, as always, is my broadcast partner. It's only Dave Amantor. It's only me. <laughs> Dave, how are you doing this week? Good, and I and I was like, you know, last week I really enjoyed Giant and Ric Flair versus Sting and Luger. I really hope we get that match again. I hope it happens again with some very confusing stipulations. <laughs> well, you're in my, luck. My favorite stipulations are the really confusing ones. <laughs> well, you're in luck today. Uh, today, of course, being April 21st, 1996, and we are coming to you live from Albany, Georgia, in front of 6,500 fans, 3,800 whom have paid for a total gate of $31,335. I want to remind you before we get into the show too much that you can always get in touch with us on the show via our Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com slash 20 years of nitro. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at 20 years of nitro. You can email the show at 20 years of nitro at gmail.com. You could always look at our episodes and all the great content over at piledriverwrestling.net, where you can find us in the OSW podcast section. And, of course... Of course. You can find us on the Freakin' Awesome Network <laughs> at freakinawesomenetwork.net. With all that out of the way, uh, I just want to say how excited I am because one week from today, you and I are both uh, headed to the sunny shores of uh, Florida... Yes, we are. For some uh, spring training baseball action, a little beach action, and probably most importantly to listeners of this show, a little NXT house show action while we're down there. That's right, yeah. We're going to be seeing, uh, uh, supposedly, according to the website that had you know sold the tickets, uh, Finn Balor, uh, Apollo Crews, Samoa Joe, and Bailey all on the show that we're going to. Nice. Uh, card subject to change, though, so it could be jumping Joe Jack off by the time we get there. You never know. <laughs> he has so much potential. <laughs> the aforementioned Mr. Jackoff. <laughs> well, as we start Nitro this week, uh, Bischoff welcomes us to the show and tells us that this week they're the only live broadcast because, of course, Raw is taped once again. Uh, and he tells us that we are indeed getting a rematch of Flair and the Giant against Sting and Lex Luger with all the titles on the line. So that means not only Sting and Lex's tag team titles, but also Lex's television title and Ric Flair's world championship. And... I generally don't like tag matches where, um, you know, singles belts are on the line. It's But it's been done. Mm -hmm. That's something that the audience, you know, a wrestling audience has seen that happen before. Yeah. Uh, but what is uncommon in this particular one is Bischoff decides to tell us that anyone can pin 
anyone. Essentially, if, if the Giant pins his own partner, Ric Flair, he becomes world heavyweight champion. He doesn't specify that if Sting pins Lex, he becomes television champion, but I assume that's also the case. Right. Now, that or makes... Or if, like, if Lex pins Sting, do they just retain all their titles? Is that yeah. the shrewd way? <laughs> also... It's a it's a tag team match. This is not a four corners match or or a tornado match, yeah. tornado tag match. So how can uh, the giant pin Ric Flair when he's only one of them can be the legal man? It's a tag match. There's only one legal man at a time. Yeah, and, and the only thing is like in in the history of these nitros that we've we've done. Uh, the referees have not been shown to be, like, really great at keeping up with the rules. So if you're throwing something like this out there where there's the potential for, like, lots of guys that are not the legal man coming in, it's just going to be a fucking mess. Uh, it it really makes no sense, and we'll see how the uh, competitors choose to handle those stipulations when we get there. Uh, but it is really a big old... I, I, I don't know if, like, Bischoff... Maybe he just said that off the cuff and like no one had ever discussed that aspect before. Right. And he was like, oh, shit, did I just say that? <laughs> I, I really don't know. It's so weird. Anyway, Bobby Heenan says that the backstage area is full of police officers this week who are prepared to restrain the macho man uh, should he fly off the rails again. And Mongo says that the reason uh, that Pepe's eyes are popping out is that Pepe is afraid of the macho man as Pepe once again is wearing his googly eye glasses, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, marks the first time that we have seen a uh, repeat outfit on Pepe. I think he's avoided uh, using the same props or costumes to this. Uh, to Pepe's running out of material. Oh, shit. He's getting <laughs> stale. And, and something that you were mentioning as far as uh, uh, Bishop being off the cuff. Yeah. And you mentioned this, I think it was like last week or the week before, the idea that you can't hear the ring announcer yeah so we have no idea exactly what is <laughs> that's explained. a great point <laughs> so he could be saying whatever he really wants to about these stipulations who knows if the fans at the arena are like privy to the same information <laughs> absolutely that's a great point uh as public enemy comes to the ring eric bischoff decides to spoil raw and let's hear that in an audio clip <laughs> they said we So that's what, I think four times now on Nitro to this point that he's spoiled Raw? Yeah, this one. Three or four? I, I, this one seems like the most blatant. Yeah. Uh, because usually he kind of just like rattles it off like really quickly. But this was like he took the time to s and and it took time to be very descriptive right. about some of the wrestlers. And yeah. by some wrestlers, I mean Goldust. Yeah, he's had a he and he's had Mongo take shots at Goldust before where I remember Mongo uh, couldn't remember his name. Like one time he called him Goldfarb. Oh, yeah, that's right. You remember? Like they, yeah. they really go out of there. And, and Bischoff has in. Uh, interviews like with the press has really taken umbrage with the Goldust character and 
and the idea that it's not family entertainment and uh, you right. know what a hypocrite it makes McMahon, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he's I, I, it's probably kind of smart because I think that's a controversial character and one that mm-hmm. uh, the media and like a lot of you know glad at this time is protesting Goldust actively as a character. Yeah. Um. So it's probably a smart tack for him to take to focus on that character as a point of contention. Yeah. I mean, if you have the opportunity to kind of divide the wrestling fan base on an issue. And, and I mean, you, you're the you're the company that doesn't have Goldust, so you want to do what you can to kind of encourage, like, yeah, we're the ones that don't take it to that level. We're we're the show that you you can feel comfortable like bringing your kids or, yeah. or bring your family to. And it's not like Goldust is a Sean or a Brett where he has such rabid fans that like Bischoff's going to alienate too many people, right? By going off about it, you know, yeah. it's kind of a safe safe target to hit at. Yeah, I mean, it's not like. Going on and on about the uh, the strip teasing that Shawn Michaels does, like it, right every, <laughs> every week on Raw. <laughs> all right. Well, after that, uh, out come the American Males, and here to call all of the tag team action is my tag team partner, Dave Amantorp. Sweet. <laughs> uh, so when Public Enemy came out to the ring, they went and set up the table right away. So it seems like they're uh, gearing up for a potential disqualification loss. <laughs> Getting ready for it. Yep. Uh, then I. Uh, American males come out second to a very big female cheer. You could, oh yeah, you could quite you could hear that very distinct from any other time we've seen them. Um, as they're coming to the ring, uh, I didn't catch what the movie is, but uh, Eric Bischoff says that Marcus Alexander Bagwell is going to be in an action film. It's it's that one we've mentioned it on the show before. Um called like the mercenary we read the imdb plot description and it sounded like a whole load of shit oh yeah yeah so i don't remember the name uh now because i we'd already covered it on the show but yeah it is a hot pile of garbage yeah from the sound of things uh, and at some point eric bischoff did like a name drop of the director but i i just didn't really care <laughs> yeah. to be honest <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like I said, the fans are just going crazy for the American males. It's a good sign that this might be a really hot crowd since this is the opener. Uh, but public enemy doesn't really care if American males are popular or not because they attack it before the bell rings. Rock rock is quick to knock Bagwell out of the ring while Johnny grunge wails away on Scotty Riggs in the corner. Public enemy then tries for a tandem clothesline, but Riggs ducks and Bagwell uh, comes off the top rope for a uh, top rope clothesline to both men. At that point, the American males both to- they toss both members of Public Enemy over the top rope. Take note of that. And then take turns nailing their opponents with planches. As the American males rile up the crowd, Eric Bischoff wishes Brian Pillman a speedy recovery from his car accident, which I thought was kind of a nice touch. I agree. Uh, and leaves open the, the door of... You know, I think Bischoff is still like, maybe this can work out and they'll come back, you know? So, smart... Uh, and just, you know, generally, like, the guy had a really shitty car wreck and whatever your pers- your professional yeah. issues have been, you know, wishing him wishing him well is, is yeah. nice. Yeah, Bischoff refers to it as a severe car accident. Uh, we've discussed it in detail before, so I'm not going to go over that again. But, I mean, it, it's, it would be, it would have been, I, I think it would have been in poor taste to not even bring it up. So. Yeah, I agree. But, but I, agree. I, I thought he did it very well. Um, anyway, as he, after that, uh, the match finally kind of settles in as Scotty Riggs is paired off with Johnny Grunge in the ring. Riggs tries for the classic collar and elbow tie-up, but Grunge trumps him with a knee to the gut. After a couple of clubbing forearm blows, Grunge sends Riggs into the ropes, gets reversed, but still manages to knock, ri- knock Riggs down with a shoulder block. Then Johnny Grunge, Grunge runs the ropes, 
which I put in quotation marks, <laughs> as he is amazingly slow. Yeah. Um, he gets leapfrogged and then hip-tossed by Riggs. Riggs quickly fires off a body slam and a drop kick, knocking Grunge out of the ring with the ladder. Scotty Riggs is like a one-move guy. He has a beautiful drop kick. Yes. He, uh, it just, uh, like, that is the the video you should play on the f- on the day you get to drop kick day in wrestling school. It should be Scotty Riggs. Yeah. And everything else he does is just average or below, you yeah. know. But his dropkick, God, it's good. It's so good. Yeah. It's right. I mean, it's right up there with my personal favorite, which was Harker Holly. Harker Holly oh, had a yeah. dropkick. Absolutely he did. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the other moves he m- named for Riggs is like forearm blows and hip toss and nothing else that's like really impressive. So, uh, But nope, he got that dropkick in there. Um, after we send Grunge out of the ring, uh, Rock a Rock enters for to seek vengeance, but both American males send him head over heels with a tandem hip toss. They follow that up with a double drop kick, and Riggs tries to cover Rock a Rock as Nick Patrick ushers Bagwell out of the ring. And as the ref drops down to the mat to count the illegal cover, Johnny Grunge returns to kick Riggs in the head, <laughs> and then celebrates like he won the World Heavyweight <laughs> Championship. <laughs> This brings Bagwell in, who knocks Grunge out of the ring yet again with a forearm smash. Riggs tags in Bagwell as we're going to allow Rock a Rock to stay in the ring, apparently, because he came in. Uh, not No tag whatsoever, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> he places Rock in, Rock a Rock in a wrist lock and hits him with a couple of forearms before tagging right back out. Riggs takes the top rope and comes down with on Rock's shoulder with a forearm smash. Uh, he then places a wrist lock on Rock Rock, and then we no- get another quick tag. Rock Rock withstands being punched in the head a few times to send Bagwell into the ropes, and when he does, Bagwell catches Johnny Grunge by surprise with a punch. Johnny Grunge is b- back up on the apron by then and uh, didn't see that coming. However, that gives Rock a- the opportunity to drop his opponent with a kick to the gut. Rock Rock tra- tags Johnny Grunge in and rams Bagwell's head into the turnbuckle a couple times and then drops the American male with a clothesline. Would you agree that, you know, we never really hear either of them on the mic, at least on Nitro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I can't rate him either on that. But uh, Johnny Grunge, I feel like, sucks. And Rocco Rock, if there is any, if there is a talented guy in that tag team, yeah, it's him. So I don't know if Grunge is the mic guy and they're just not allowed to talk on Nitro, so it, it doesn't matter. Right. But Johnny Grunge, I feel like, this week especially, I was, every time he's in, I'm just fucking bored. Yeah. Rocco Rock, I'm not saying he's amazing, mm-hmm. but he's definitely the stronger of the two in this tag team by a, oh, by yeah. a country mile. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I, I, I feel like that both of them are not very, they don't really stand out on the microphone at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and Rocco Rock doesn't look like a better athlete. I think he just is a, he is willing to do more with, uh, with what he has for his like physical talents. Because, like, physically they look almost exactly the same. I mean, then again, they have, like, these really baggy clothes on, so we have no idea. Um, at this point, after he knocks Grunge down, after Grunge knocks uh, Bagwell down with the clothesline, he tries to impress the crowd with his hand-waving capabilities, but when that doesn't work, he decides to choke Bagwell instead. After body slamming Bagwell, uh, Grunge tags in Rocco Rock, and while he holds him down, Rock hits Bagwell with essentially what is the lion salt when you're you know we're just talking about his abilities he's able to moon salt and stuff like that yeah you're which is amazing given i mean he's not a small gentleman 
Yeah. So. And he's like he's a little bit older, I think, too. I think he's like in his early forties, even by this point. Oh wow! I'm gonna look that up while you keep going. Okay. Uh, so after his his version of the line salt, the cover is broken up by Scotty Riggs. Frustrated, Rocco Rock unloads with kicks and punches on Bagwell while Riggs calmly returns to his corner. After tagging Johnny Grunge back in, Public Enemy teams up to launch Bagwell into air and drive him chest first into the mat. There's more hand-waving shenanigans, which gives Bagwell the chance to mount a comeback. However, that's short-lived as Grunge rakes him in the eyes and then rakes him in the back. And somewhere Hulk Hogan's mad that he's taking his move away. <laughs> he was, okay, so he, God, he he's dead already? I believe both of them are, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. He One of them was um, like sleep apnea problems. I remember that because I have sleep apnea and I was like, holy shit. Uh, but maybe they weren't using their machine or whatever. Uh, anyway, he died. It he was forty nine in two thousand two, so this is six years earlier. Yeah, wow. So he's in his early forties. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's that because not only is he a, kind of a bigger dude, but to be yeah in his early forties. Wow. Like I, I appreciate him all the more now. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. That's incredible. Um. Yeah, I don't. I remember that both of them. I mean, I they're they're. Their deaths were like kind of far apart, but they both died like way early in their lives. Yeah, Johnny Grunge died four years later in two thousand six, and he was thirty nine, so he was significant. He was over ten years younger. Yeah. Than uh, Rocco Rock. Ten years younger and ten years shittier. And he died. He was the one who died of sleep apnea complications. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Do go on. <laughs> God, wrestling's a fucking morbid. <laughs> thing to follow sometimes right. good god um so after raking bagwell in the eyes in the back uh he irish whips him into the turnbuckle um and is reversed by a cross body block by bagwell for a two count well at this point eric bischoff starts talking about an enemy sandwich for some reason yeah i didn't know if you caught that but i only caught like that phrase and it really threw me off yeah well it it becomes later on it becomes clear what he means uh so i we can get to it hold on to that thought yeah hold on to it okay at this point we've also been treated to uh rock or rock attempting the cabbage patch a few times which is always a classic uh rock or rock at this point is tagged in and together public enemy close lines bagwell body slam followed by an elbow drop from rock or rock and then a tag to johnny grunge uh, Johnny Grunge then body slams Bagwell as Rock heads to the top rope because Rock or Rock doesn't give a fuck if he's a legal man or not. <laughs> Grunge leg drops uh, Bagwell, but Rock's attempt for a moonsault hits nothing but Matt. It's uh, gut check time as Rock or Rock spazzes out on the canvas. He almost never hits that moonsault. That is like the yeah. most missed moonsault in wrestling, yeah. other than maybe Vader because so many guys are like, fuck that, I'm not taking that. <laughs> right. Uh, after the gut check time, uh, we have Marcus Alexander Bagwell getting the hot tag to Scotty Riggs, and he is a house of fire, dropping both pe- members of Public Enemy with his fists of fury. Meanwhile, Eric Bischoff drags out his coughing up their rig cages line, which I- I'm guessing he's trying to make a catchphrase now. <laughs> I-, I don't know. <laughs> uh, at this point, Public Enemy th- decides to throw Scotty Riggs over the top rope, and we get a disqualification, even though we've had people read tossed over the top rope during the same match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's WCW for you. <laughs> um, overall, 
it was kind of a it was an okay match. It wasn't there wasn't really anything that impressive. Um, afterwards, we get the um, we get someone being put through the table, which this time it's Scotty Riggs, and that and that is the enemy sandwich. It's the move that we commented on last week. Oh, where okay. uh, the guy uh, is on the table and Rocco Rock stands. Uh, adjacent to the table, but on the ring mat. Yeah. And then Johnny Grunge runs at him and flips over the ring, and they both fall yeah. on uh, on the guy on the table. That is the enemy sandwich, because Bischoff repeats it after it happens. Oh, okay. And it actually, I think, is called, like, the P.E. sandwich, and I think they changed that within, like, a few weeks. But right now, for some reason, they're calling it an enemy sandwich, which makes no sense, because Rocco Rock is actually the one in the middle of the sandwich. If anything, it's a Rocco Rock sandwich, <laughs> uh, not an enemy sandwich. But that's what they're trying to call it at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's if it's a sandwich, then like Scotty Riggs is the is the meat, and there's like two pieces of bread being put on top of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, or like the table is a slice of bread, <laughs> and then there's Scotty Riggs meat, and Rocco Rock's like the cheese, and yeah. then Johnny Grunge is the other bread. But Actually, Johnny Grunge is the one that's on the apron, and Rocco Rock is the one that does Oh, the you're right, because Rocco tried to get him out of the way last week. Yeah. You're absolutely And correct. also remember, yeah. it's like, which of the two is going to be doing the flipping? <laughs> it's going it's to be Rocco Rock. Is it going to be the guy who's in his <laughs> mid-20s at this point, or the guy who's in his early fucking 40s? Uh, apparently, it's the guy in his early 40s. <laughs> Johnny Grunge is worthless. Uh, so... I don't know where this is going to lead, but they kind of uh, make it look like Scotty Riggs is pretty seriously injured. Um, well, Marcus, Alex- Marcus Alexander Bagwell checks on him, and then we pretty much go to a commercial break after that. I think it was it was definitely time uh, for Public Enemy to get a win on yeah. a prominent, because they win on Saturday night against Jobbers, but they never win on Nitro, and they never win uh, uh, th- on pay-per-view. Or at Clash of the Champions. Yeah. I mean, we just see them pretty much. They're always feuding high profile with like the nasties or whatever, but they're always losing. Yeah. I mean, this coupled with um, what we saw from Sabu, they make, they really want to make it look like the ECW guys don't understand the rules to a wrestling match. <laughs> well, <laughs> in fairness. <laughs> True. No, I agree with what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, I, it wasn't terrible. It was just kind of a. You know, it was there. It was fine. Yeah. It, it 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 wasn't really bad, and it wasn't slow. Um, mm-hmm. It kept me engaged, so I didn't hate on this match. One thing that yeah. I noticed that was kind of surprising: it seemed, especially during this match, not so much later in the show, that the ring was miked a lot more than usual. Like it sounded a lot louder. And when Nick Patrick would like admonish them, mm-hmm. I could really hear Nick Patrick in a way that I have not in past episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did notice that later on as the show as the show went on. Yeah. That the especially I believe like the hacksaw Ming match. Yeah. Like the the might the mat is loud. It's to the point where it's like that's distracting. I yeah. Yeah. I kept being like, who is yelling? And then I was like, oh that's Nick Patrick. It's not just some loud fan. Right. Well after that match we get a commercial promising us that when we come back we're gonna get Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero and I am fucking excited to see that on the show tonight. Yeah, I'm excited for the fact that they're both still with the company because <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while for both, especially since Eddie Guerrero was kind of like week in and week out, like the highlight of the show. Oh, and then they absolutely. Just, and then they just, I don't know if he was, I don't know if, if both of them were, were they like on extended tour in Japan? or uh, Benoit's been in Japan, but Guerrero's still been showing up on Saturday night, so I'm not really sure what the deal is there. Hmm. Uh, but when we come back from commercial, unfortunately, before we get that match instead, 
we get Mean Gene standing with the aisle with a couple of kind of pretty <laughs> and uh, very nervous looking women. Right. And I'm not saying they're ugly. I'm just saying yeah. like it. they're presented as if they're like books and babes, but they're yeah. just like some kind of pretty girl at your office. Like they're really, you know right. what I mean? Right. Uh, he hypes Battle Bowl on the upcoming Slamboree. And this show is a fucking branding nightmare as the pay-per-view is called Slamboree mm-hmm. and it features the Battle Bowl. And the Battle Bowl is the result of the Lethal Lottery. <laughs> like, pick one fucking gimmick and stick with it. Like, I, it's all really the same thing, but they yeah. just keep, ca- like, call the pay-per-view Battle Bowl. Right. And maybe say at Battle Bowl, we pick teams via the Lethal Lottery or something. There's just too much shit going on right now. Yeah. But basically, we kind of talked about it in our last episode, but 16 teams are created by random drawing. And then the winning teams will have a Battle Royal. So all the the individuals who are on winning teams enter a battle royal, yep. and the winner of that gets a title shot. And by the way, when when you said random, you should you should hear quotation marks. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right that the teams are not random, and we will certainly get to that later in the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not only that, but uh, um, the enjoyment of this segment is seeing like. Gene Okerlund, like, he's really trying to open these as quick as possible. Yeah. Because he knows it's, like, it's boring to draw this yeah. out. <laughs> and he can't he can't quite open them correctly for some reason. <laughs> so he'll just tear a flap of the envelope off and then right. pretend that there's a name on it. Right. When, if it were, if this were real, yeah. you would never have written the name on just that scrap of the envelope. Yeah. It's so absurd. Yeah, like, the, the first one, he goes all out. He opens it up, and you can tell that he could read whatever in there and then by the end he's like one little tear it's like oh it's eddie guerrero so first uh he draws a couple names and it's revealed that in one of the matches meng and hugh morris who are both members of the dungeon of doom who believe it or not still exist it's not really touched on quite often but Hmm. that is still a faction (laughs) and they are going to be wrestling the barbarian who is normally meng's partner Uh in uh, faces of fear and something called Hard work, Bobby Walker. <laughs> I don't know what that is or who that is. Maybe. I'm. A, they have a jobber tag team that I've seen on Saturday Night called Men at Work, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming Bobby Walker is from Men at Work. They come out in hard hats and like they have tools that they really half-heartedly like wave. Like <laughs> I've got a hammer. <laughs> Look at this. This is my fucking gimmick. Maybe was he perhaps uh, the generic black wrestler from like a couple weeks ago? Uh, maybe the guys in um men at work are definitely white. Let's Google hard work. Oh, okay. Bobby Walker and see what he looks like. Uh, oh, you're right. He well, he's a black dude. I don't know if he's the black guy from last week, but that's a great guess. Huh. Anyway. 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 <laughs> that's neither here nor so, there. So so basically, this is just a complete like farce, and it like it goes. Way, it's like two minutes. And two minutes is way too long for this. Also, uh, Stevie Ray and Big Bubba Rogers are going to be facing off against Scott Norton and Ice Train. Uh, Ice Train, we have not gotten to on Nitro yet, but we, I believe, are going to get him in within a few weeks here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then let's go to an audio clip that will dispel any notion that this is a random drawing. Uh, as you can hear, that two men who are not getting along at the moment are going to have to team together. <laughs> I appreciate that. Now, ladies, I'd like to have you kind of shake those up a little bit if you could. And, Emily, perhaps you can cut them after uh, Terry kind of, well, this is reminiscent of an old gin rummy game. Thank you very much. 
Here we go with more names, the first round drawings. We have, oh my goodness, I'm just gonna not do this too delicately. The name of the nature boy, Ric Flair. Emily, thank you very much. And his partner for this will be, oh my goodness, you've gotta be kidding me. The Macho Man, Randy Savage and Ric Flair together. Woo. Arn Anderson, Arn Anderson on the opposite side of Flair. And the final name is Eddie Guerrero. So there you have it, first round drawings. This thing is starting to heat up. And speaking of Eddie Guerrero, he's going to be coming up right after this. Don't go away. Holy shit. The two, can you believe it, Dave? This random drawing has so. taken, and not only that, this random drawing has already made it so that two uh, tag teams are going to have to face each other because the um, Road Warriors are facing each other in a match. Yep. And the Steiner Brothers are facing each other in a match. What are the odds? And now Ric Flair and the Macho Man are going to have to coexist? <laughs> Holy shit. What a, what a lethal lottery. <laughs> and you know, Flair's going to be motivated to get that title shot since he's the champion. <laughs> Why is he even in this? <laughs> right? I didn't even think of that. <laughs> what the, I guess he wants to win to just prevent anyone from getting Does <laughs> right. he get a month off then? <laughs> I don't even think Flair wants a month off. <laughs> Flair lives on like competing as the champion. Right. Oh, oh my God. Anyway, uh, Ric Flair and Macho Man are going to be ra uh, wrestling Arn Anderson, which is kind of interesting, you know, being that he's Ric Flair's running buddy. Mm -hmm. But then Eddie Guerrero... Really seems like the odd men out. It's two men in a high-profile feud against each other. Yeah. One of them's, like, best friend. Mm -hmm. And then Eddie Guerrero. It just... Uh, Eddie's really thrown in there as a fourth wheel. I don't know. I'm interested to watch Super Bowl and see how that plays out. Slambery. Thank you. <laughs> I can... I have a real problem with these WCW pay-per-view names. Like, yeah. I, I cannot keep them straight. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's different from WWF when you grow up on, like... Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, like all like the, the and I know like what time of year each of those happens in. Survivor yeah. Series is around Thanksgiving, you know, like that's right. when it is. Yeah, <laughs> we get another commercial, and when we come back, we get the appearance of Chris Benoit for the first time on Nitro since he lost to the Macho Man way back on February fifth. Wow, that's a while ago. Next up is Eddie Guerrero, who is also appearing for the first time in a while. He has not been on Nitro since January eighth. What? When he wrestled Steven Regal in a match that I loved. Uh, but he was on the podcast slightly more recently than that as he lost to Brian Pillman on the January 23rd Clash of the Champions episode. Oh, okay. So it's still it's been a long time since we saw either of these guys. That is that is shameful given yes. how great both of these guys are in the ring. Uh, hopefully with the dawning of the Cruiserweight title, that uh, Cruiserweight tournament and title that we keep hearing about in this episode. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they will be, you know, on the show a lot more. Yeah. Um, certainly in, you know, there's talk, and we'll talk a little about it in our, our news portion of the show, but there is talk already at this point of Nitro going to two hours. So hopefully that means opportunities for guys like Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. Okay. But it is bullshit because right. we have seen a lot of shit lately. And right. if I could just once per week see one of those guys like it would yeah. go a long way yeah <laughs> we need we need a break from the booty man you know oh my god oh yeah i didn't even realize with hogan gone the booty man is not on this episode like right. as soon as hogan's gone it's just 
no one's looking out for that dude, and no one gives a <laughs> right. fuck what he wants to do. <laughs> we get a collar-elbow tie-up to start, and Benoit muscles Eddie to the corner. He breaks cleanly, but insultingly pats Eddie on the cheek and throws a horseman four-finger gesture in his face. They tie up again, and this time Eddie gets the advantage, pressing Benoit into the corner and offering a somewhat firmer slap on the cheek than Benoit had given him moments before. Hot at that disrespect, Benoit charges at Eddie thrice and ends up on the receiving end of two arm drags and a drop kick. Benoit was one of these arm drags just like violent. Was like the first one. Yeah, because Benoit's really charging at him hot, so yeah. Eddie really throws it. And, and I think it was also like right where it's mic'd up on the mat because oh, that could it, be. it seemed like it kind of like woke the announcers up at that point. The announcers are shameful in this match, yeah. spending most of the time discussing anything but the match. Right. Typical, yeah. I mean, typical Nitro bullshit, but especially in this match, which features their two best workers in the company right now. It's mm-hmm. it's mind-blowing. Now, I just wanted to point out that, um, that both these guys are doing a great job from the beginning selling what their characters are. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like this is the, the first real match in which Benoit you feel like he's actually a horseman, which is weird because he's just showing back up. But it's like yeah. He has a better grasp of how to uh, carry himself. He's been a horseman since November. I think, yeah. And he's this is like his fourth appearance. Like, it's in, it's crazy how little he's actually been a horseman. Right. Like, in practice. You in know? Pra- yes. Benoit powders after the dropkick, and Eddie gets on the top rope. Benoit knows that Eddie likes his uh, deep planches outside the ring, so he retreats out of range. Very smart. Mm-hmm. Very logical. I love it. Mongo says that we're going to see more movement than a Metamucil convention. Uh... Uh, besides from just being an immature poop joke, that makes no sense, because what the fuck is a Metamucil convention? <laughs> right? Like, just a bunch of people getting together and taking the same herbal supplement that makes them poop? <laughs> like, what, what would be the point of such what, a convention? <laughs> what would happen at all the various stations? <laughs> It's like, didn't he have a Siamese twin convention joke at one point? Like, or no, twin can just regular twin. Yeah. I mean, that makes slightly more sense, but I, oh, Mongo. <laughs> he just really relies on convention humor. <laughs> right. <laughs> Back in the ring, the two men lock up again before trading and reversing lip. I almost said lip locks. <laughs> nice. Back in the ring, the two men lock up again before trading and reversing wrist locks until Benoit uses a handful of Eddie's hair to throw him down to the mat. Eddie pops back up and shoves Benoit. Randy Anderson tries to separate the men and thus misses Benoit raking the eyes. Benoit takes over with maybe the nastiest side suplex I have ever seen. Yeah. Like, that is normally just a bland move. And it could be the mic, uh, the ring being mic'd up a little bit more this week. Mm-hmm. But it is a side suplex that has some goddamn impact on it. Yeah. Personal with a woman, with the money, with Elizabeth. But the only way they can get a title shot, the only way they can coexist is they're going to have to work together. And can that be done? I think well, you talk about... I, I've talked before about Eddie Guerrero being, like, the king of selling the powerbomb. Yeah. But uh, Eddie Guerrero, just in general, he makes uh, he makes Chris Benoit just look violent. Absolutely. Yeah. Benoit locks on a chin lock as we go to commercial. Uh, we go to commercial as Bobby acts like he is getting important backstage news on Savage. Yes. Pulling that Bobby the Brain bullshit. Because as soon as we come back from commercial, he doesn't mention it at all. There's <laughs> nothing that happened with Randy Savage that we needed to hear about. After the commercial, Eddie fights his way out of the chin lock and after being whipped off the ropes, hits a head scissors takeover as Bischoff tells us that the upcoming cruiserweight tournament, uh, Shinjiro Otani, will be the Japanese representative. 
Listeners of this show will remember that Otani has actually already won the tournament yes. by defeating Chris Benoit in Japan way back on March 20th, <laughs> nearly a full month ago. A little over a month ago. <laughs> in fact, Bischoff even references Benoit losing to Otani in Japan, but not the fact that it's for the belt. <laughs> so I, I really don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They've been doing the tournament largely on the B-shows, and guys would lose and then just be back in the tournament, and then they said it was a, a double elimination tournament. But from what I've been reading in The Observer, uh, Brad Armstrong has lost twice and yet still might just show up in the tournament later. <laughs> so it's being run like uh, the TNA Bound for Glory shit, oh. where they're just like, we're having this really important series and there's all these points. And then by the time you get to the event, it's all fucking forgotten and they've just assigned the two guys they wanted in the first place. <laughs> Pretty much. Eddie hits a belly-to-back suplex, but Benoit recovers first and hits a German of his own and holds on for a two-count. He tries another pin for another two-count. Benoit whips Eddie into the corner and starts wailing on him with punches. Eddie punches his way back into things, and they trade blows. Benoit eventually uses Eddie tights to throw him out of the ring. Benoit then recovers in the ring and fails to notice Eddie ascending the ropes. Eddie hits a top rope hurricanrana and tries for a pin, but they've landed uh, with Benoit's foot already on the ropes, so the pin never really happens. I, I, I don't remember that. Does that. Did that look like it was planned out? No, it looked kind of accidental, but that they did a good job of, like, the ref showed good ref awareness of not counting it. The yeah. Benoit made it look like it was a purposeful thing. Okay. So it didn't seem planned, but it seemed like they did a great job of playing it off the cuff. Sweet. The finish comes as Eddie whips Benoit chest first into the corner. He then jumps onto the crippler's shoulders before flipping over and trying for, like, a sunset flip kind of maneuver. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what to call it because it's not a sunset flip. He didn't flip over him. He kind of was on his shoulders and then, like slid down his back and turned his body and tried to pull him over but Benoit instead manages to sit on Eddie's chest and hold a leg and a rope for leverage to pick up the one two three this was not their best match Mm -hmm. uh but it was leagues better than anything we've seen on Nitro in a while I thought yeah to me it felt like that both men were like really mad they haven't been on Nitro and took it out on each other yeah yeah because it was like I felt like it was a pretty amped up uh matchup it wasn't. It was. It wasn't very long, um, but I thought, that, like I was mentioning earlier, I felt like both guys did a really good job of of reestablishing their characters. Yes, uh, Eddie Guerrero with kind of his like uh, Latino heat, like uh, getting, getting like angry. Yeah, yeah, that sort of side of him where he's a he's a happy go lucky baby face, but you can piss him off. Yeah, absolutely. And Benoit doing uh, Benoit cheating, even cheating when he doesn't have to cheat, which is like. A Ric Flair staple. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. Like, he probably could have gotten that pin without holding ropes. Yes. But he did it anyway. And that's a great job of showing how being a horseman is rubbed off on him, how the yeah. tutelage of Arn and Flair has sort of tainted this, you know, guy who used to just be kind of a dick who was really good at wrestling. Now yeah. he's a dick who's really good at wrestling who cheats, you know? Yes. Um. Yeah, no, it's just I really, really hope that this is a sign that these guys are back, you know, to stay. On yeah. Nitro, more or less. Yeah, and hopefully get guys like Malenko back in there, too. Oh, God. Yeah, I would... Oh, who do I pay money to get in a time machine and go make Dean Malenko be on Nitro more? <laughs> we get a commercial, as we're told, that up next we get, holy fuck, a hacksaw, <laughs> a hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Meng match. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's It's like... Okay, you got your match, but you got to pay for it. <laughs> this is that's pretty much as opposite of a match 
of Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit you could possibly get. <laughs> no shit. I mean, I, basically because Loch Ness is not around anymore. Oh, man. That is brutal. Luckily, when we come back from commercial before that, uh, we instead get the following promo with Gene, WCW executive Rob Garner, and the Macho Man, and let's go to an audio clip. All right, fans, welcome back to more exciting action here on Nitro tonight. And I'll tell you what, a big surprise earlier on, as I drew the names simultaneously for Slambury, the Lethal Lottery, and Battle Bull of WCW heavyweight champ Ric Flair and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, I, I don't mind telling you that in the past, the Macho Man has had to been restrained, even cuffed recently by friends of his. Now joining me at this time in an official capacity is uh, a vice president with the World Championship Wrestling Organization, the front office, you hobnob with Nat Lambros and some of those other uh, big wigs, but uh, my good friend Rob Garner here tonight. Rob, I understand, and hopefully we can get the Macho Man out, but some of these subjects have to be addressed in an official capacity by you and the championship committee, and of course all of those here at WC. Speaking of the man, why don't you hold back on the comments, Randy Savage, Randy Savage, you have been out of control as of late, and I knew it was just a matter of time before the office, so to speak, would come down on you. You can't continually be a threat to yourself and other people. And uh, Mr. Garner, any words here for the Macho Man? Mr. Savage, uh, we're very concerned with your current actions, both in and outside the ring at WCW. Now, we at WCW and all the fans understand your current situation with Ric Flair. But you're there right. That's right. But your actions, your actions are totally unacceptable. Really? If this current set of actions and behavior that you're doing does not cease immediately, the ramifications to your career at WCW will be severe. Oh. Ramifications? What a big word for a suit and tie. Hey, 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 hey. Let me please, tell you something. Do All you guys down at City Hall and WCW are getting a little too comfortable around the macho man Randy Savage. Please. You understand? And about Nature Boy Ric Flair being my tag team partner, I am the tag team partner from hell, brother. And I will be real creative when I do what I want to do, when I want to do it. Yeah, nobody's gonna stop me. You Watch it, Randy. Yet? You send a message Watch back. Watch it, Randy. Because I don't beat Stiddy hey, all. Hey, I'm hey, gonna hey. blow it up. Wait a minute now. Just a second. We you are trying to get something across Ooh. here. Mr. Garner, maybe you could finish this cut. Please give us just the opportunity of talking and getting this official, of you will, do statement. what I want to do. Mr. Savage, if you cannot control your behavior, Perhaps you should seek professional help. Really? You're telling me I need a psychiatrist? Well, I think that you need a psychiatrist for standing there like a little, little, little stupid person. Yeah. Come on, don't You're be telling me I need to see a psychiatrist. It's not worth it, no. Randy. You don't want an open hand slap is? Yeah, hey, Randy, no. wait a second. That is both. not worth it. We have seen Security. that before, and I never want to see that you again. You want to see some excitement? I am going to create and electrify the whole WCW. Randy, don't and do you it. Tell everybody Randy, what I please don't do it. Damn it. Thank goodness. Oh, please. All right. Thank goodness. Randy Savage, uh, totally out of control. He should seek some kind of treatment for his behavior. I thank you, Mr. Gunner. I apologize. We've got more action coming up. Don't go away. He's not. So as you can hear there, Rob Garner does not even get a word in edgewise before the Macho Man enters. 
Garner warns Randy that if he continues on his current path, he is going to face severe ramifications. Randy complains about all the guys down at City Hall. <laughs> He's really confused about who runs WCW. <laughs> they go back and forth for a while, including Garner suggesting that Randy has to go to therapy, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Until Randy eventually threatens to slap Garner. This, for some reason, is an outrage to Mean Gene. <laughs> he is so angry at the idea that Macho Man would slap Rob Garner, and he goes, I've seen that before, and I don't want to see that ever again. <laughs> 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 I fucking wrestling. One thing that wrestling is really missing now is a mean gene type personality. Yeah. WWE has gone out of their way. Like it's a purposeful business decision on their part to make their interview guys as bland as possible. Yeah. They are just interchangeable cogs in the machine. Mm hmm. And God, they need a mean gene type. Yeah. You know, I don't give a shit if he's telegenic or not. The man was hilarious and his reactions playing off these wrestlers week in and week out was incredible yeah and just the way he would phrase things it, w it would make you want to like ask further questions <laughs> i've seen it before i never want to see it again it's <laughs> yeah. like can you elaborate <laughs> he has he always has line like he has yeah. like these one-liners but he delivers them just in the typical mean gene fashion right. where it's like if you think about it a second then you're like oh wait a minute i think there was more to that than <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Bischoff then hypes Saturday night, uh, giving Gene and Garner a chance to get out of Dodge before Meng makes his entrance. Uh, he is n no bear monster, no dumb like mask cape thing. Yeah. This time he's wearing just kind of a neat looking Asian robe. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just kind of an Asian inspired like bathrobe that's got like tigers and shit on it. It's really cool. I, I want one. I yeah. That would be a neat bathrobe. I, I did like the I think the best thing so far was like the 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 animal skins that he wore when uh, the faces of fear. Oh right, yes, yeah, absolutely. That was the best. I I don't know what it is, but why is it always like? What do we have in the prop closet for Meng to wear this week? <laughs> what gets across the idea that he's Asian and different from you? <laughs> he he needs to come out like the foreigner on Futurama with his crazy passport, <laughs> right? <laughs> Stars and stripes forever, and here comes fucking hacksaw Jim Goddamn Duggan. God, that song is just so awful. It just it's a it's an anthem to awfulness. Right afterward, uh, we get a commercial which gives everyone a chance to go over to the USA Network and check out Raw before you have to watch this goddamn match. <laughs> and when we come back, uh, USA chants are going as Meng is hesitant to get in the ring. It's no wonder uh, that he's hesitant to get in the ring, because when he tries, Hacksaw, babyface that he is, attacks him before he can get through the ropes. <laughs> he won't even let men get in the ring to fight him like a man. He's he's so clearly from the Hulk Hogan school of, like, because I am a babyface and yeah. I support America, I can do whatever I want. Who gives right. a shit? Also, I just really object to the fact that they make Ming look like he's afraid of anyone. That's bullshit. Yes. That's not good. That's not good booking. Hacksaw nails Meng until Meng just falls back out of the ring, and then he yells, Ho! Because that's what he does. <laughs> Meng tries to get in the ring again, and once again is attacked by Hacksaw before he can do so. Meng again ends up on the outside as Bischoff spoils Raw for a second time. because, And honestly, it's a smart move, because you spoil the beginning of the show, 
anyone that's tuned in since then, they mm-hmm. might want to flick back to Raw. Maybe if you tell them the main event, they're not going to bother. I don't know. Seemed like a smart move. Meng is finally allowed to get in the goddamn ring, and Hacksaw gets another USA chant going because it's been 90 goddamn seconds since the last one. <laughs> right? Both med trade kicky punchy offense while Bischoff wishes a happy hello to Hulk Hogan, who is supposedly off traveling this week. More punch punch kick kick with Meng throwing in some biting, eye gouging, and back raking to remind you that he's the bad one. <laughs> Hacksaw eventually makes the mistake of running Meng's head into the corner, but Meng is foreign, and that only serves to make him angry. Meng proceeds to run his own head into the turnbuckle another four or five times, just to hype himself up, and then he nails a big headbutt on Hacksaw. Meng then works a nerve hold while the crowd once again chants, USA. (laughs) That's what he started it. Hacksaw works his way out of it and some more punches and a couple shoulder blocks, though the second shoulder block backfires and sends him down to the mat. Meng taunts the crowd as Mongo tells us that Duggan, who we have often seen use tape fists to cheat on his in his matches, is pure. <laughs> he specifically uses the word pure. pure. I'm pretty sure he's cheated in every match we've seen him in. <laughs> Another nerve hold from Meng, uh, as Bischoff tells us that Meng is not allowed in Japan, that Australia is scared that he may go there, and that there's a bar in Toronto that shuts down if Meng is even in town. <laughs> and I honestly think that might be true. <laughs> None of those facts would surprise me. Right. I, I, th- I actually thought that was a good line. I liked it. Hacksaw gets back into the match and eventually runs Meng's head into the turnbuckle again, having learned nothing from earlier. Meng decides to be nice and sell the move, but for some reason Hacksaw sells something that doesn't actually happen and he just falls backwards onto the mat bumping for a move that never came meng meng sees him down on the mat and goes for a couple elbow drops with hacksaw rolling out of the way each time hacksaw picks up meng for an atomic drop he then gets a scoop slam very slowly and goes into his three-point stance but he misses his charge and hits the corner where meng chops him a couple times for good measure Hacksaw goes for his 2x4 because he's a dirty, dirty cheater, and the ref grabs it, allowing Meng to hit a surprise superkick for a two-count as Duggan gets a foot on the ropes. Hacksaw rolls to the outside and tapes up his fist because, again, he's a goddamn cheater. Right. Pure my fucking ass, Mongo. What goddamn matches are you watching? Meng pulls Hacksaw back into the ring where Hacksaw hits a huge tape fist punch, which Meng sells hilariously. Yes. Meng really sells it comic like. I would never have thought Meng could be funny, but he yeah. sells this like like a Woody Woodpecker cartoon or something. <laughs> you know, it's it's comedy gold. Uh, Hacksaw gets the pinball victory, and this was fucking stupid. Yeah. What did you think of this whole debacle? My my favorite thing was when he obviously cheated to win when the referee was looking, like I, he always does. Like he always. I I I don't understand. There obviously is some sort of like misunderstanding between referees when it comes to the tape fist (laughs) because some referees will be like i'm gonna disqualify you just for trying to put that on right whereas this referee let him just use it or whatever this referee was also one who i've seen like twice before and i haven't got his name but he's very rarely on nitro Mm -hmm. he he has the requisite mullet and mustache to let you know that he's a wcw referee okay but i don't know his name he looks vaguely hispanic maybe hmm Anyway, Bischoff tosses it to Mino Gino <laughs> for another drawing. Uh, now we learn that Alex Wright and Disco Inferno will face Dirty Dick Slater, who is apparently still employed, and the Earl of Eaton. 
Gene asks the ladies if they have any plans for after the show, and then fails to hold the microphone for them properly so they can say in unison that they have plans with him. <laughs> like, he sets up the joke and then fails to goddamn mic it, and the joke is that these two women are going to fuck you. Like, Gene, come on. Come on, buddy. Yeah, what job, Gene? <laughs> <laughs> he then draws again, and we find out that Lord Steven Regal is going to be teamed up with his worst enemy, the Belfast Bruiser. What are the odds of that? It's the one... To quote uh, Paul from uh, the New Generation Project podcast, it's the one thing they didn't want to happen. <laughs> they are going to be wrestling against VK Wall Street and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Speaking of still employed, oh, VK man. Wall Street. Yeah, and and uh, Hacksaw, you know that match you just watched? Yeah. You can see that on pay-per-view. You can get Hacksaw Jim Duggan for a mere like $40 well, what I guess mean, back in this day it was like $15, but still. What, what are the odds that he's going to like Tape fist punch BK Wall Street on purpose because he's oh an idiot. Oh, God. <laughs> he's we can idiot. only hope. <laughs> After a commercial, we get world champion Ric Flair entering with Woman and Liz wearing very attractive black outfits. I thought they both looked fantastic this week. Mm -hmm. And the giant is trailing behind them alongside Jimmy Hart. They get a very nice pyro with some multicolor fire fireworks this week. Giant also wearing a very nice black outfit, too. <laughs> Looking fantastic. <laughs> Once again, Deborah McMichael is at ringside. Flair kisses her hand, but she is nonplussed. Mongo assures us that Deborah can handle herself, which is very forward thinking of Mongo. <laughs> he's he's not going to be like a dick about it. You, uh, know, you know, I I haven't looked into like what happens down the road, but do you think they're setting up Mongo's like debut match against Ric Flair? Is this is this like the long burn? Is that what you're thinking? I think so. I think this is setting up Mongo's initial feud to get out of the booth and into the ring, if I had to guess. And if there's anyone that would be willing to sell for him, it would be Ricard. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Macho Man appears from nowhere, even though he's not involved in this match. He attacks Flair, but is restrained by police. Flair uses the opportunity to get some cheap shots in, and the police don't have a problem with that. <laughs> so I guess Flair is fine to keep going in the main event. So, okay, so the, the police... Are are able to keep Randy Savage restrained, except during the one segment. <laughs> oh, also when Savage came out uh, to challenge, oh, what's his face, uh, the commissioner or whatever, the guy from the committee, I don't even remember his name anymore, but he came out then and was threatening to slap someone that would, like worked for the company. Yeah, and there was no cops there. Nope. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh, macho. Anyway, he is let off, and uh, Flair gets down on his knees in front of Deborah to flex. He, like, walks over to her and starts flexing at her. Yeah. And she has to cover her mouth because she can't stop laughing. <laughs> and not, like, in a way that she's like, I'm laughing because you're so pathetic. She's right. supposed to be disgusted. Right. But she can't act, and she just starts corpsing, as we call it in the acting biz. <laughs> and she just covers her mouth to hope no one notices. <laughs> Sting and Lex Luger come out to a nice pop, and arguably, since the American Male's the only real pop on this show, yeah. to be honest with you. Well, I mean, the fans were kind of into that USA chanting, though. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. God damn them. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Anderson hilariously tries and fails to hold up all the belts that are on the line in this <laughs> match, but there's four of them, and he just looks like an idiot. Uh, Bobby tells us that he hasn't seen Randy Anderson, who he calls Pee Wee Anderson, with that much metal since Randy stole four hubcaps off a Mercedes. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Sting and the Giant start things off. They lock up, and the Giant pushes Sting into the corner where he proceeds to turn around and back into Sting 
more or less gently. He stands there shaking like that's going to hurt Sting somehow, and Sting just looks confused as to how he's supposed to sell this. <laughs> the giant eventually walks away, acting like he's accomplished something, but Sting drop kicks him, uh, and several drop kicks and a clothesline aren't enough to ground the giant, and the big man gets Sting in a bear hug, which Lex quickly runs in to break up. They double-team the giant with punches and a double clothesline to send him to the outside. Flair comes into the ring and gets a press slam from Sting, who then clotheslines him to the outside as the crowd goes wild for the babyfaces. Oh, it's always... Anytime it's Ric Flair, he's getting press slammed somewhere. <laughs> Especially if Lex Luger is involved. <laughs> it wasn't Lex who did it this time, but yeah. God, Lex Luger and Sting love their press slams, especially on Flair. Yeah, I I don't know. Last week it was like five or six of them. Yeah. And it's like, as soon as this match starts up, you're like, yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> Lex and Flair are tagged in, and Lex flexes at Flair. Nature Boy fakes a test of strength spot to kick Luger in the gut. Flair hits a big chop and celebrates, acting like he's seen a ghost when he turns around only to see more flexing from the total package. <laughs> Luger gets a press slam nice. and some clotheslines before Flair wanders over to the babyface corner where Sting boxes his ears. Flair wanders away before doing a classic Flair flop. <laughs> Sting is tagged in and hits eight corner punches because, I don't know, he didn't want ten for some reason, <laughs> followed by a hip toss and a drop kick. <laughs> he was tired after eight. <laughs> Flair gets back into things with an elbow and heads to the top rope, but the crafty vet Sting has Flair well scouted and throws him <laughs> to the mat. The Stinger sets Flair up on the opposite corner and hits a superplex. Flair retreats to the outside and ends up leaning against the guardrail. Sting pursues and then goes for a Stinger splash against the guardrail, but Nate moves and Sting hits the guardrail hard. Both men are now down at ringside. Flair calls for help and Woman comes over to rake Sting's eyes. Back in the ring, Flair tags in the giant who stands on Sting. He then tags Flair back in, uh, apparently having exhausted his offense at standing <laughs> on a guy. Flair gets a delayed vertical suplex on Sting, but Sting no-sells it and pops right back up. He levels Flair as the camera hovers on Woman, who is holding another cup of coffee, shades of last week. Uh-oh. Luger is tagged in, and he dominates Flair before more flexing. He hits a power slam, and the giant comes in looking for a choke slam. But before he can hit it, Sting launches himself from the top rope into the giant's knee from behind. The giant gets back to his feet with the choke still locked in on Lex, so Sting does another dive from the top rope to the knee. The giant won't let go until Sting punches and kicks him for a bit, at which point he falls over like a tree suddenly cut down. Flair is despondent and drops to his knees, begging the baby faces for mercy. <laughs> they back him into the corner where Woman slips him the cup of coffee. Meanwhile, Giant is up behind the baby faces. Flair throws the coffee, and the faces dodge, so it goes right into the giant's eyes. What are the odds of that? <laughs> Randy Anderson sees this and calls for the bell, because apparently you can get DQ'd for hurting your own partner? <laughs> I, whatever. If if the giant could have pinned Flair in this match, yeah. uh, I guess why not? <laughs> and and it goes to show, now that we've gone from bell to bell, the match is over, and we'll talk about the aftermath in a second, mm -hmm. but now that we've gone from bell to bell, the idea that the giant could pin Flair or that Lex or that Sting could pin Lex and win their belt yeah. does not come up in the match a single time. Right. Which really leads me to that theory that Bischoff was just saying shit. Right. Because the match never involves a spot like that even close. They don't even tease the giant right. turning on Flair during the match. Yeah, I mean, you could, just by watching the match, you could tell that they have no idea that's a stipulation. <laughs> it's... 
I wonder if someone told him afterward, and they were like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, after the match, the giant is filled with rage in the ring, and everyone is so freaked out about it, they hightail it out of Dodge. Yeah. Especially Flair, who literally sprints up the aisle <laughs> to the back. The giant sells the coffee for a bit, running it out of his eyes and just looking angry, when Flair suddenly reappears with a towel, right as Mean Gene enters the ring with a mic. And let's go to an audio clip of what happens next. Uh, Jimmy Hart, I, I'm just having to see all of this myself, but I can't believe it. Ric Flair, giant, nailed you in a face with scalding hot coffee, and you're not happy. I'm not happy. That coffee burned, but it lit a fire in my soul. Ric Flair, no, I am the real giant. Now I fulfill my legacy. Next Monday, the World Heavyweight Championship belt. On your throat, it's mine! Oh, just a Let's second. Let's set up! Rick Let's Blair. set up! Rick Flair! Hey! Yes! I tried to apologize. You didn't like it. Now I'm mad. He tried to apologize. I don't like the way you look at the girls anyway. I don't so know you got till the end of the show to apologize to me, or next week I'm going to kick your big ass. <laughs> So as you can hear there, the giant was very angry and Flair tried to calm him down. Uh, Bischoff warns Flair about breaking the 11th commandment, which is apparently, don't make that giant mad. (laughs) 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 Don't make that giant mad. You know, back, back in my days in middle school when I had to go to confession, it was always the 11th commandment. <laughs> Father, I've sinned. I broke the 11th commandment, and I made that giant mad. <laughs> oh, my God. He d- Whenever he says he's quoting something or, like, he starts a biblical reference, <laughs> right? it always ends with something fucking bizarre like that. <laughs> oh, my God. The giant is not happy, and he wants Flair in a championship match next Monday. Meanwhile, uh, Flair has hightailed it and invaded the announce booth where he has a mic. He claims that the Giant has next week to apologize to Flair, or Flair is going to kick his, quote, big ass. <laughs> this makes the Giant very, very angry. Apparently, he's not happy about hearing that his ass is big. <laughs> and he heads to the booth, but Flair is long gone. Bischoff apologizes for the language and says that the match will indeed happen next week. And that is more or less the end of our show this week. Dave, what did you think of Nitro? It was a mess, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, I think pretty much every, uh, aside from the the Chris Mawat, uh, Eddie Guerrero, every finish was awful. Um, I I did like because they having the title. It's it's gonna be one of those rare instances in which they have a world title match on Nitro with an actual story behind it, though. Right. Um. So that's a plus. Um. And I'll a little a little spoiler alert for next week. Uh next week is actually taped immediately following this nitro. Yeah. So this same crowd is going to see the the payoff for what they have just been set up yeah. with. And there is the whole thing about Eric Bischoff ragging on Raw for being taped this week when he's literally <laughs> having a show taped that night. With a world championship match, right. no less. It <laughs> so, Oh god. Yeah. I don't I I thought uh 
you know, it did have an Eddie Chris Benoit match, mm-hmm. and there were some things to laugh at. And you know, I find myself making this uh, compliment a lot lately. It went really quickly. Yeah. Like I didn't feel yes. bored or like my time was wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, except for during Hacksaw Jim Duggan Meng, where I definitely felt my time was wasted. Yeah. Uh, but it was not a great show. I agree with you. Uh, in our raw results. Goldust defeated Savio Vega thanks to interference from Steve Austin to reclaim the vacated Intercontinental title. So really, what was the point of vacating it last week? Uh, yeah, Eric Bischoff referred to that when he was talking about the uh, the RuPaul impersonating <laughs> yes. transvestite. Goldust got uh. his belt back. <laughs> Vader defeated Fatu. The Godwins defeated some jobbers. Mankind in the main event defeated Aldo Montoya. I wow. love Mankind. I don't mind him in the main event, but not against Aldo fucking Montoya. Yeah. That's a disgrace. That should be a squash match. Yeah. Especially because Mankind is, what, three weeks old in WWF at this point? Something like that? <laughs> right. I mean, he should... They should have just, like, been holding him for whenever he faces Undertaker. So, based based on that show, um, you know, keeping in mind that the IC title vacated story was going into last week, so maybe that had some people... Uh, but what would you what would you think based on that description and what we just saw in Nitro? Uh, what would you be your ratings prediction? Um, well, the ratings are have recently been very close. Um, I would say I would give I'll give Raw three point one and Nitro two point nine. You're you're actually very close. Raw got a three point three mm-hmm. uh, with its most viewers since the Monday Night Wars had began. Uh, to Monday Nitro's uh, in head-to-head. They did have that huge week where Nitro was preempted, so yes. that doesn't count. Yep. Uh, and Nitro got a 2.7. Okay. So you were you were very close. Uh, I would say that just – I haven't watched that Raw. I only looked at the results. But based on the results, I'd say that Nitro sounded stronger. I'm surprised yeah. uh, that that was the result. But, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Meng. People tune the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah, I hear something like, the goblins versus jobbers and i'm not interested <laughs> or 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 i mean like vader against another kind of big guy yeah yeah not so much and Meltzer in the observer breaks down the quarter hour ratings and uh raw was leading the whole night uh, at no point were they trailing but in the in the third quarter hour with mm-hmm. the main event of each show uh nitro did surge to get a lot closer so the main event with four of their biggest stars and the tag team titles mm-hmm. while all the titles apparently being on the line that did eat a lot of Raw's viewers away for that segment yeah I mean the thing is like that was just thrown on there whereas like the Intercontinental title match the people knew about it going into the show right um, it'll be interesting to see how next week's Nitro does with the known title match that's an I think an interesting title match. I agree. And like I said before, it's one of the first world title matches they've had on Nitro in which there's a story behind it and not just being announced when you tune in. The one thing that'll be interesting, though, is, you know, it was what, four, three or four weeks ago that we saw the Giant versus Ric Flair. And the crowd was solidly behind the Giant. Mm -hmm. And he turned babyface. I mean, he turned babyface. Yeah. And then the next week it was thrown out as like, they like, I mean, they didn't, they give an explanation, but it was almost like a retconning where they were like, that face turn was non-canon almost, you know what I mean? Uh, So it'll be interesting to see if the audience is willing to bite on that twice, Mm -hmm. you know, fool me once kind of thing. So we'll see. That's definitely, uh, it'll be interesting in the ratings next week. 
In backstage or around wrestling world news, uh, there is talk of Nitro going to two hours every Monday night, as I mentioned earlier. The idea behind that being that TNT could increase its weekly payment to WCW. Uh, so WCW, which just in 95 had its most profitable year, mm-hmm. could be even more profitable in 96. And they could use that to then acquire even more talent, which has been a key you know idea for them. Yep. It would also give them a one-hour jump on Raw to build ratings. So if you've got a one-hour jump, you can hook people in with what your main event's going to be, and then maybe they don't switch over to Raw. Yeah. Uh, and it would replace Thunder in Paradise, which has been just not getting people to watch it. <laughs> right. So it, there's really no downside. It seems like that's a very, a pretty good bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. the Macho Man's brother, a.k.a. the genius, uh, who is r- one of my ultimate underrated guys. I think the genius was fantastic. He's he's so good. He has so many hilarious mannerisms in WWF. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just the way when he gets between the ropes, he leans back instead of bending over forward. Yeah. Like, just that is like a genius little touch to the character. It's a what touch? Genius. Oh, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> you got me. Um, he, I, I, I think it's very obvious that a lot of uh, Damien Sandow's oh, yes. character is like, once I saw him, I was the like- The cartwheels? Yeah. He, you know, the cartwheels were directly ripped off from the genius. Yeah. Like when I first saw him, I was like, that's taken from the genius. And that's OK, because he's also doing a good job. At he, it. Oh, yeah. Damien Sando does a great job. No, no doubt. Uh, he is, a, according to Dave Meltzer, pretty much a sure thing to come into WCW with a gorgeous George gimmick. OK. And that's kind of a good note because they are actually paying him a lot of money. Uh, so we will see when he debuts with that gorgeous George gimmick. OK. It's never. <laughs> <laughs> they pay him a lot of money and he never shows up. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know like the when they talk about like the, the wasted money of WCW that Lanny Poffo every year was getting paid like six figures and I want to say it was like $300,000. Yeah. And he does nothing. Yeah. He never debuts. Right. <laughs> Incredible. Uh Eric Bischoff denied signing Kevin Nash in an interview with the Miami Times. Okay. And I Saw that last week, and I could have brought it up in the news last week, but I didn't because I was really confused by it. I was like, well, that's pointless. Why would he do that? But it, when you think about the way that Kevin Nash will debut in the company, yeah, it actually makes perfect sense. He's planting the seeds for an angle a good month before it actually, like month and a half before it comes to fruition. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, those of you, uh, and it's pretty much anyone who's listening to the show, let's be honest. I always try to avoid spoilers, but that's that's a pretty big one. <laughs> right. Those of you who know how you know what Nash's storyline is going to be upon entering WCW can appreciate what it means when Bischoff is actively going to legitimate news organizations and saying, Kevin Nash is not signed here. I don't know what that guy's talking about. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think everyone, I, I mean... If you're a person that is wa- listening to the 20 Years of Nitro Wrestling podcast, I think you have an idea of what happened during that time. <laughs> I, I Personally, as we've been going on, I'm like, it's only like, what, four more weeks? Yeah. We're getting closer to like to the big moment where everything ramps up. Oh, man. I'm excited to start delving into that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other wrestling news, WWF has hit a new low for sleaziness. Mm. When on the April 15th Raw, so this is actually, what, last week? We just didn't mention it because uh, it didn't appear in the Observer and I didn't watch Raw last week, so I didn't know this. 
But they did a like a hotline tease for their 900 line. Okay. Where they said to call uh, the 900 number to find out what Davy Boy Smith and Magic Johnson had in common besides being pro athletes. Uh-oh. With the clear insinuation being that the British Bulldog had HIV. Because this is when Magic having HIV was like a huge story. Yes. Uh, Melcher was not sure what the payoff was when you actually called the hotline, but as Davy Boy doesn't have HIV, (laughs) that's not what it was. (laughs) You know, for people that like toss shit around about Scheme Gene and all that, Uh that is, I mean, that's up there with their call our number and vote on what you think the OJ verdict is going to be. Yeah. You know, level of just gross. Yeah. I mean, like the one thing with, Mean Gene Okerlund's hotline is that it was usually like real information. Well, I haven't. I've I've probably not gotten to some of the bits on here, but he has, he has floated outright fake stories. Um, the one I can remember is, uh, one about like he heavily implied that Ricky Steamboat was going to come to some WCW show for like a retirement angle or, or like retirement celebration, and it was just oh, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. made up. Yep. So, no, Mean Gene is not above just making shit up. And there was that thing where he was saying that Pillman had, uh, was faking that throat surgery that kept him out of Uncensored. Yeah. Okay. When uh, Pillman was, could have gone it Uncensored if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. But the throat surgery was real. Yeah. And he had that doctor's note and everything. And then uh, Mean Gene just skipped ro- uh, Nitro rather than apologize. Right. Uh, okay. All right. I, I guess I was proven wrong. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that is pretty much our week. That's all the news that's fit to print. Dave, you got anything else to say before we sign off on another Nitro? Um, I was just going to mention as far as uh, my moment of the night um, instead of a match. Oh, shit. I didn't even ask because <laughs> I didn't. I forgot to put it in my notes. Yeah. What was your uh, what was your segment of the night? Uh, my favorite moment. And I hope it's something that you can uh, when because every time when you post the podcast, you put like a, a screenshot, yeah, and you're able and you're able to pick like from pretty much wherever. Yeah, the moment when Ric Flair gets the cup of coffee and he's holding a cup of coffee behind his back, <laughs> okay, and it's the tiniest cup I've ever seen, <laughs> and he's holding it between like his his middle finger and his thumb, okay, because it's so small and he's trying to make sure not to spill it. It's amazing. It's so comical. <laughs> I'm, and plus, I don't think I've ever seen like someone deviously hiding coffee behind their back. So that <laughs> that that little moment there was like the funniest thing. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go uh, segment of the night. I'm gonna go with Benoit versus Eddie. I uh, also figured. I, <laughs> I, I figured you would at least do that. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> like I was like when I realized I forgot it. I was like, oh shit. And then I was like, oh right. There's oh, an obvious right. fucking choice. <laughs> 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 All right. And for MVP, who you like this week? Uh, my MVP is going to go to Chris Benoit. It's for a lot of the reasons I mentioned earlier. Uh, the fact that he came back, um, he established, he w- very well established himself as uh, a horseman in the ring and not just wearing the t-shirt for. Um, and they had a really great match, and I just I thought it was re- for both of them. It was a really great way of reestablishing themselves after not being on Nitro for such a long time. Yeah, but in particular Benoit making it look like he belongs in the Horsemen. So I would give mine to Benoit. I'm gonna give mine to Rocco Rock 
uh, for learning how goddamn old he is <laughs> right? and still being able to be the guy who's carrying that tag team right. who is known for the crazy shit they do. Mm-hmm. This isn't a tag team who's just stumbling around doing nothing. Like They're known basically for crazy shit, yeah. and the guy who's doing the craziest shit is old as hell. Yeah. So I'm giving my MVP to Rocco Rock. So we will be back with Tans from our Florida excursion next time when you hear us here where the big boys play 20 years of nitro i'll tell you what the 11th commandment should come to mind here rick flair don't make that giant mad